Hello and welcome to Oric Digital's How to Make a Video Game Podcast. Here, you'll be entertained, informed and enlightened by the many goings-on within the studio as we introduce you to our projects, our colleagues and give you a little insight into how we operate. Thanks for listening in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Jess, hello. Matt, hi. Good to be back. Good to be back for another episode of season eight. I know, season eight, my gosh. So today we've got uh, some wonderful colleagues from the studio, all big RPG enthusiasts. And by RPG, we mean role-playing games. Uh, by TTRPG, we mean tabletop role-playing games. Um, these, we've got Lucy, we've got Peter, and we've got Thomas joining us. And you've had Thomas in previous episodes before, and you've had Peter in previous episodes. So give them all a nice warm welcome when they do come in. But we're basically going to be talking about this concept of an RPG renaissance because we as a studio, especially Thomas, really feel like RPGs are reaching a very high golden age point of, of their kind of existence. There's so much content out there that covers such an expansive breadth of creativity and intricacy and it really has pushed the bounds, I think, of what the genre has to hold. Uh, so we are talking about tabletop RPGs quite specifically in this episode, but we're going to be talking about how they exist in an analogue form and a digital form, comparing them against each other, because we're all just a bunch of big RPG nerds. We love to play role-playing games. They're so much fun. I myself have only started playing them really in the last couple of years. Started off with D&D, obviously, as we all do, and have branched out a little bit further since, and I've had an absolute whirl of a time in all the games I've played so far, so basically I want to keep playing more of them collecting them like pokemon that's my goal <laughs> this that's my goal this is exactly why yeah you design the uh, episodes and not myself because I, this is this is a very very involved episode and as i say i i've i've played dnd once or twice um I know that we we allude to in in the in the interview we kind of allude to um what you look forward to in uh in an RPG and there was a point there was a point where I was thinking well I've only played like literally less than a handful of uh of experiences of of, of tabletop stuff um or any RPG stuff really um but but I was thinking well like, a good tutorial that's like do you get tutorials with with RPGs because I feel like of the the, the small amount of times I have played these things. They're very involved, and the people I've played with have been kind of veterans at this sort of stuff. So it's a little bit daunting. But again, you have to bridge that gap. If you don't, the whole thing could, could eventually just just die out. You need to make sure that there's a conveyor belt of new new blood coming in, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing with RPGs and talk about a tutorial here is so much of it hinges on the people that you play with. Uh, be that a two-player, a three-player, a five-player, there's eight of you in the party. It all works best when you've got a good chemistry together and you're on the same page as one another. And I would say, you know, having a DM, well, which is a dungeon master or a GM, uh, is someone who will support you based on the skill level that you have. Uh, there is definitely, there are so many ways to tutorialize D&D uh, in the actual campaigns. They always have starter campaigns written out pre, ready to go, if anyone wants to rely on one of those. You can create your own session if you wanted to do, keep it really rules light. There is a plethora of information online as well, of like really easy walkthroughs, rules, cheat sheets, everything that you could possibly think of to wrap your head around it. And I would say the best way to learn is to just go in and play it, to go in, play it wrong, but play it and have fun. And then you pick things up and you learn it along the way. 
Uh, I don't think any veteran you would talk to of D&D or any role-playing game nowadays would say that, you know, when they started playing, they knew exactly what they were doing from the get-go. So just jump in, have fun, enjoy it. That's what it's, what it's about. Well, you said it. We're going to do exactly that. We are going to jump in and we're going to go to the main chunk right now. We are joined today by Lucy, Peter and Thomas from the studio. We're going to be talking about RPG Renaissance. If everybody would like to take a quick swing to introduce themselves, uh, if we start with yourself, Lucy, do you want to tell all the audience at home uh, your name, your role at Auroc, and what is your first ever RPG that you've ever played, the last RPG that you ever played, and what's the one you always find yourself returning back to? Yeah, sure. I, I I should say we give credit to the Grognard Files podcast for stealing that first, last, and everything <laughs> format. Yes, big nod to Grognard for that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so hello, um, I'm Lucy. I'm an associate producer here at Aurora Digital. Um, my first RPG was D and D Fifth Edition. I only started playing in 2017, just before uni. Um, my latest RPG it was called Cthulhu last night with with Tom and Peter. <laughs> so I imagine their answers are going to be much the same unless they've done something today that I don't know about um, and the one I keep coming back to you is always going to be 5th edition just because it's got that really solid rule base that you can just, just springboard off of cool, awesome, yeah that's, that's a nice succinct one uh, Peter, would you like to do the same so yourself, your role at Auroc and first, last and one you always come back to the one that got away Yes, hello, my name is Peter uh, and I'm the production director here at the studio. Um, so my first ever RPG was run by Tom uh, and that was Delta Green, uh, which was, uh, which it, I believe that was the Call of Cthulhu offshoot at that time. It wasn't its own rule set. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that would have been like Call of Cthulhu 6th, probably. Um, latest one is, yep, Call of Cthulhu 7th. Uh, and the one I always come back to uh, is, I don't know, I probably probably Call of Cthulhu or or or, or Troika or OD and D, like something very lightweight. I would say I, I'm more interested in run rule sets. I'm interested in like rulings rather than rule sets. I like that. So something that is flexible and can be catered into different kind of contexts if you really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Lots of creativity there. Uh, Thomas, would you like to go through the same? So yourself, your title, first, last, and always go back to you. Yes, so uh, hello, everyone. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Thomas, and I'm the studio director here. Um, so I had to look up which... So first was D&D, but I had to look up which D&D. So the first one I played was the basic version from 1981, um, which I think is technically still part of first edition, but actually was the simplified first edition that they did. So it's not the cool three-issue bo three box set one, um, which I very much like, um, but it's the one they produced after that to help introduce people. The last one, as I said, Call of Cthulhu, we, had a, we played a game of Call of Cthulhu last night within the studio, kind of remote game, which was great fun. We've been doing a lot of that recently, which I've really enjoyed because there's a nice little growing community of RPG fans in the studio that, that natters and chats about it and also has been playing stuff. Uh, and that's a real highlight of my week getting to do that. Um, and everything is, is one I haven't played a lot, but it's my everything because it's like the one I keep wanting to play more and more. 
uh, and I'd really like to either run or be part of, there's a huge campaign that's part of it, which is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, being a massive Warhammer fan, the Fantasy Roleplay system's great. It's on fourth edition at the moment, which I picked up uh, not that long ago. And yeah, you know, played it a bit as a kid, loved it, loved the system. Because um, it's not, it, it's, yeah, it's kind of different to D&D in that sense. It was a bit more crunchy, but the grimdark setting was was very appealing. And, and yeah, the, the, the uh, Enemy Within campaign, which is like a classic role-playing campaign, which um, I can't play it now because I've read it, but it's it's just very cool. Um, so yeah, that, that's the one I keep thinking that, that, that really grabs me. Oh, thank you, Thomas. Um, goodness me, all the way back to the very beginnings of D&D, the... the prehistoric editions that's cool that's pretty cool maybe one day i'll be able to play first edition dnd i'd be interested to see what that's like and how that compares uh which kind of leads me quite nicely into the first easy question that i thought we would all have a little pondering about a little ruminating on which is if you had to pick an element that you feel is essential to an rpg what element do you think that is to each to everyone and to matt as well if you have anything you think you feel like is is pretty key in an rpg what element would that be sure um yeah i think yeah it, it there's a number of elements as you say that define it but for me I, I think the the key thing is the progression the character the, the the progression of your character or characters from adventure to adventure is to me what takes it out of just being a, a one-off thing and i hope we've been playing one-off rpgs but the, the system's designed to allow you to do that um and you know, it, it like it. You know, although I played D and D first, uh, first role playing game, I'd actually prior to that been playing the the fighting fantasy books, um, and you know, done a couple of those. And when I came across then the um, Magna Kai books, so the um, Lone Wolf books, and the idea in that was you took the same character book to book. So as you built your character up, as you went through each book, they built up, and so it then started to take that idea of this epic Lord of the Rings esque thing that went on and so for me that's that's the element that i found really enjoyable is that that yeah the, the longevity of the characters assuming they don't die mm, yeah i think that the, the longevity is something that i think speaks for a lot of us whenever we're playing a role-playing game i know my myself i really enjoy being able to see a character develop over time and to see where they were at the beginning of a journey right through to the end uh my concurrent D&D group we like to give prompts to each other uh, throughout the week to think about our characterization a little bit more last week it was if your character uh, had a favorite item of clothing what is that uh, mine is is their long johns that they take with them so they never get chilly in the night so yeah Peter have you got any thoughts about elements that you think pretty key to you for an RPG for me the interesting stuff is where a role-playing game becomes a role-playing game and stops being a war game so if you go back to the original RPGs the 1970s um, they were more interested in rulings not rules and to me that's where the war game starts to end um, uh, so for me the interesting stuff in a role-playing game is is that stuff that exists between the rules and between the uh, improv that one might get in a, in a theater troupe it's how the the rules interact with the the sort of community-driven storytelling. Uh, and it's very difficult to define, but I think that that's the bit that's most interesting to me for an RPG. Hmm. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Uh, Lucy, swinging over to you, what would you say is a key element for you to see in an RPG? 
So I think I'm going to be the dissenting voice here and say that a good rule set is the most important thing for me. But that's that comes from a place of not being like super crunchy with the rules. But when you have a good rule set, you as a DM especially can decide like, no, I want to keep this. This is actually really good. And let's just eat this one into the sun because it doesn't work for our group. And I think on top of that as well, some RPGs I've seen are very rules and settings are intertwined. And I think with something like 5th edition, you've got a very, very solid foundation with which you can take any setting that you want. Like, if you want that grimdark setting that Tom mentioned, you can have that with the 5th edition rule set. And it's just, it's this wonderful playground for potential DMs to just engage with and have that consistency that has been thoroughly playtested and iterated upon time and time again and is now, in my opinion at least, in a very, very good space. I, I think I kind of fall into the same camp as you there, Lucy. I think that's... But I'm also very picky and choosy with my rules. I like to have them there. I like them to be all neatly laid out and ready to go, but also I like to choose to ignore them if I wish. That's that's my favourite part about GMing. Uh, so I guess this kind of leads us into the, the top of our conversation, the kind of epitome of what it is that we're all here today to talk about, which is the concept of an RPG renaissance. So by this we mean uh, D&D is getting bigger and more popular than ever gone are the days of us you know kind of being ostracized and put into a corner and made out to be the nerds because we like playing dungeons and dragons together it's now popularized we're seeing it in media everywhere it's in stranger things people understand what it even my mum knows what D is now and i'm so proud of her for knowing that um so i guess they're a renaissance of the form of an rpg um and i don't know if thomas you want to speak a little more to what in your opinion, this feels like when you think about a renaissance of RPGs? Yeah, yeah. I guess for me, and, you know, it's what sparked interest in this topic overall is like over the last sort of three or four years getting back into RPGs, and part of that's been locked down, I think, having that time and playing online. Um, and, and, you know, because I played them on and off, you know, well, since D&D as discussed back in 81. Um but getting back into them this time and realize like when I got into them, there was a few there was plenty of RPGs around, but there was still a fairly new form. Um and you get back into it now and you realise just how far the forms come in and not just D's advance, because it has, because fifth edition is much better than first edition. Like it's clearly a better rule set. It's it's got loads of cool features in it. Um but just in every possible direction you can imagine it seems there are role-playing games on every possible theme um, covering every possible angle. I mean, it's like, you know, you want to play a Call of Cthulhu role-playing game back when I was playing, there was just Call of Cthulhu, whereas now there's probably 50 Cthulhu-themed role-playing games, which is great because it's whatever whatever's tight, whether you want it with lots of action or purely investigative or pure more on the horror or, you know, it, it, it's all there. It's all up for grabs. Um, and then, you know, journaling and solo role-playing games and, like, all sorts of different themes, as I say, and one-shots and zines. And it, it, it just seems to me, like, far from when I was younger and video games were becoming a thing, there was there was definitely a dialogue where people, a discussion of, like, video games will kill these board games and role-playing games because it just do it so much better and it's got more. And, and sure, video games, obviously, because we make video games, are cool and exciting and huge. But it seems to me technology, far from killing role-playing games, has actually given them a new lease of life. And I mean everything from 
Kickstarter allowing groups of people who are into a thing who previously couldn't get couldn't geographically organize themselves to support it, making it really easy to get fan communities who support a game and fund it through to um, online remote playing, you know, virtual tabletop playing and stuff like that, right through to I noticed recently itch.io. So if people don't know it, it's a like originally started out as a more straightforward game store alternative to Steam. But it's just full of RPGs now. I mean, tons and tons of RPGs just as a straightforward go and buy a, a PDF thing. So for me, yeah, it's like it just seems like we're in a golden age where every possible iteration of games that have already been done is there for you to play and a community playing it. And and just tons of new stuff. It's, it's bewilderingly cool how much stuff there is. And I don't know if anybody else feels the same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think it's cyclical as well. So you've got the RPGs influencing the video games and then the video games influencing the RPGs with stuff like Steamforged Games recently came out with Dark Souls 5th edition. There's an Avatar Legends Kickstarter that's smashed records um, and just all sorts of stuff. And I think it's aided a large part by streaming and these big faces like Laura Bailey and Matt Mercer and the rest of the cast of Critical Role and all their friends like bringing so much attention to these games yeah i think so i mean very recently they just announced a film a dungeons and dragons film which i'm very excited to go and see uh when that comes out uh and they've got you know an animated tv show for critical role and i think it's just this kind of uh things are transposing across boundaries these kind of imaginary boundaries they're going past it now it's no longer just role-playing games are bound to paper and people in a room together uh, like thomas said we can really expand the amount of communication as well uh being able to play together online like i've only ever played one session of D in person in in the flesh uh everything else has always been online for me and that i feel like has been the best experience uh, for me to playing it because it gives the most flexibility. It means I can play with people who live in a different time zone to me. My friends uh, live in America and I get to play with them. Uh, so that's my perspective on it. I think, yeah, the digital age is really bringing the Renaissance forward. Yeah, and it's certainly a culmination of lots of different things, right? I think, like, we can, I, I think, I think we can all agree that basically the number one thing that really pushed this forward was something like Stranger Things coming along and actually make it, putting that kind of front and centre for a while. If you go and look at the stats around uh, subreddits, for example, which is obviously something dorky that I like to go and do, um, you go and look at like the stats around that stuff. If you actually look at you know um, subscribers to r slash RPG, you can see that literally as Stranger Things comes out, it massively spikes in subscribers, like huge. And 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 you see that to you know a, a different kind of example television influencing another hobby space with something like the witcher tv series in which the witcher 3 sells you know as many copies as it sold at launch in that first day that the tv series is out right so you can see how television really moves forward um uh the the, the medium and kind of puts it in front of more people but it's also that thing that everybody else is talking about here right it's it is that convergence of streaming technology is more accessible than ever uh it is that convergence of COVID, I think, made people realise how important having connections with people really is. I think uh, the fact that we're now in such a technological age that anything that takes us out of that, board games, um, you know, gardening, cooking, like things that are sort of like analogue, anything along those lines 
is seen as um you know a fun alternative to living in a very a vastly technolo technological world and of course fifth edition being so flexible uh, and so prominent that um because of the likes of people like critical role as lucy points out um but fifth edition being such a good edition whereas fourth was a little bit like um you know i think that that's the that it, it's all of these things have kind of culminated to 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 make rpgs more more popular than ever before yeah i think what this kind of brings me back to is the thing that Lucy mentioned, which is that it's cyclical. Because I was thinking about what is driving this renaissance? What is really perpetuating it forward? And I think it is that they're kind of push. everything is pushing each other. And I think what I'd like to talk about is maybe if we're seeing a similar effect in kind of the digital realm at all. Do we think that the, the digital side of video games and, uh, you know, tabletop RPGs that have been converted into video game format, do we think we're seeing the analogs renaissance having an effect in a digital realm on the flip side so for example Baldur's Gate 3 is very much about uh, um, uh, tries to put in a lot more of the outthink the dungeon that traditional pen and paper role-playing games are more about um, and you saw that with things like um, you see it uh, influences of like the OSR um, bleeding into things like Darkest Dungeon, for example. Um, and of course, um, I would say in video games, you know, you, you are also seeing things like virtual tabletops uh, that are that weird middle ground of clearly there's no rules being monitored by the engine itself, but there are, you know, there are amazing things like, um, you know, tabletop simulator and those sorts of things. And, and then, you know, things like Wildermyth, for example, Wildermyth takes that um, RPG aesthetic, that tabletop aesthetic, and brilliantly makes a, a kind of roguelike interpretation of it that uh, only a machine can really do. But that machine, that you know, the, the pro, I say machine, as in it's algorithmically generated. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant example of, of those two worlds crossing over. I guess we looked at this a lot in in uh, last year with uh, Digital Tabletop Fest two. Uh, which was the RPG edition where we spent a lot of time thinking about this. And yeah, you know, when we were looking at that, what was great is just, again, similarly to me, how much the RPG label is being experimented with in video games. It's just really exciting. So you, you've got like, you know, really in-depth narrative, adult themed, and, and by that I mean like serious, properly done literary things in something like Disco Elysium. You've got the mechanics and, and world of it being explored in something like Winter War Tactics Club, which uses like turn-based strategy mechanics in a really different way. Uh, a game like Kenshi, which has been around a while now, but a brilliant game where, you know, made by uh, people we, we we know very well in Bristol. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a really unique take on the RPG with a kind of sort of RTSE elements to it, um, you know, really clever. And, but then even with the board game stuff, the digital board games, you know, Talisman, the, the Nomad Games version of that has really taken that somewhere really interesting. The digital Gloomhaven is a great take on the board game, which is already a hybrid of a board game RPG. So to me, the digital is just as interesting as the, as the physical. I mean, the physical is producing way more stuff, I think partly just because it's quicker, Sit down, yeah, write a couple of pages, zine, knock it out, 
uh, which is really exciting. Part of it is so easy to write and distribute it, whereas video games obviously take a little bit more time and technology to make. Not one's better or worse than the other. They're just very different in, in how they're produced. But, but yeah, to me, that, so it's overall, it's a really fecund environment with lots of cool stuff going on, feeding off each other. Yeah, and I think like none of this is particularly brand new. Like We got the first Baldur's Gate games in like, what, the late 90s? And then they've evolved into what we see now in Baldur's Gate 3, but also a whole bunch of spin-offs, like, well, spin-offs in the genre of, like, Divinity Original Sin and Original Sin 2. Um, a new one that came out recently is, uh, Solaster, Crown of the Magister. That's very D&D. Um, and then in other terms, we've got, like, D&D pop culture, like, Beholders and Mind Flayers making appearances in other games of massively different genres. If anyone's played Enter the Gungeon, one of the bosses is the Beholster and the Mind Flayer. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, there's this really nice kind of uh, just existence, this transcendental existence of RPGs in a digital realm now, and I think that's very comforting, and to see it on the flip side, vice versa as well, to see um, them have as much of an effect on one another. It's, yeah, very cyclical and perpetuating i like it it makes me feel like there's momentum to it as a movement uh that's going to continue to only grow stronger and more expansive uh this kind of leads me on to kind of how we wanted to wrap up this discussion is we've got we've talked about a few titles uh so far uh so obviously we've talked about what has caught our eye but i'm guessing is there anything else that you'd like to mention that you think is particularly interesting you wanted to give a shout out to are there any titles of rpgs you're looking forward to playing yourself that you haven't had a chance to yet uh let me know um i know that mine is i have been promising our lovely wonderful folks at our company to run a blaze in the dark session for them for months now and i will get around to it so um by the next time in season nine you will have heard all about this and i'll give you the spiel on how that session went that's my promise to you audience uh but what about yourselves are there any that you're looking forward to playing um so i mentioned the dark souls rpg i'm really keen to try that it's got a cool stamina system and obviously, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dark Souls. That's no secret at Auroch. Um But aside from that, you know, we've picked up the Witcher RPG, um, Cyberpunk. And one I'm very keenly watching is the Avatar Legends one. After that, smashed it on Kickstarter. And that's a beloved TV series that I grew up with. So really excited to play more in that world. Yeah, I think for me, like, the... Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm... I'm very excited by, I mean, actually, I'd say Osprey Games, who, you know, traditionally publish, um, well, originally published like military sort of painting guides and military source books, and then started doing like tabletop games. And they've recently started doing a line of RPGs. We played one of them, Paleomythic, uh, which was great fun, really enjoyed. Uh, they've got a bunch of others out. I, I think they're really interesting little sort of takes on, on things that I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm very interested in, in all that. There's a kind of whole bunch of director's cut, for want of a better term, of the Warhammer fantasy roleplay um, enemy within campaigns uh, being produced, which I'm looking forward to reading through. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I've got a stack of other games that I bought that I'm, I'm you know, kind of interested to, to sort of read and, and play. So yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pile of shame, should I say, that I have now for role-playing games as well as miniatures, as well as my Steam library. It's getting bad. <laughs> Think of it as a pile of potential. That is brilliant, yes. There's no such thing as the pile of shame. There's the pile of potential. I love that, yes. 
so I'm looking to get a game called Kefius Deluxe to the table at some point soon, which is a um, an OGL version of uh, Traveller, which just turned 45 years old. I also have a copy of Traveller, which I'd quite like to sort of explore a bit more of. Um, I'll, I'll be continuing playing more sort of Call of Cthulhu 7th. I think that 7th is probably the addition that I think the stuff that um, Mike Mason and Lynn Hardy and that lot over there are, are doing, I think it's absolutely amazing, the stuff that they're doing. The line is, is, is growing and expanding in a really interesting way. Um, and beyond that, I think, uh, so I've, I've, I've got Mothership turning up at some point, which is a, a kind of OSR horror spin on science fiction. Um, and uh, like like Alien and stuff like that. And then uh, Troika, which I'm currently putting together a... a, a a sort of campaign for um which is more it's seen as like science fantasy it's meant to be kind of like heavily inspired by Spelljammer, um but it's just weird and i i like i like things that allow players to be like embrace the silliness that can come around on a physical tabletop you know the the the, the sort of like improvisational silliness that comes out of rpgs so mm. Yeah, I think that's a really nice place to leave it, which is the silliness of RPGs, because they are silly at their heart. They're cool, they're clever, they're intricate, and they're silly, and they bring out the best of us, I think. I don't want to keep using the word comprehensive, but I feel like, well, to be honest, I can't lie to you, Jess. I, I, my mind gets blown after most episodes, if not all of them. Um, and today was just another good example of that. Lucy, Peter, Thomas, like you've got three great brains there, and your good self, of course, four great brains like just just smashing it on the rpg front um <laughs> got nothing else to say it's just it's enthralling it's it's thrilling just to hear all this stuff because it's a world that i can't fully understand i've never been totally invested in it so but to be on the fence of and see this conversation taking place you're like wow it's unbelievably involved and i i totally dig that totally dig that yeah i I mean, obviously, that's a huge compliment, Matt, to, to all of us. Thank you. I think it's it's really fun to have these kinds of episodes of discussion where we can do a little bit of blue sky thinking. We can do a little bit of reflection on what it is that we enjoy, share our passions, just nerd out a little bit. I really liked how we conversed and talked about the kind of dyadism of the physical versus the digital and how they're very complementary to one another. They're very cyclical. I love that from Lucy. That was really cool. Uh, it, it's just also great to hear from people who have played a lot more games like Peter and Thomas. They played so many RPGs, tabletop RPGs or in throughout their lives. And it just makes me wish that I had more time to play more basically or wish that I had gotten into it when I was younger when I was at uni and I had all those hours I wasn't studying I could have been playing RPGs instead you know I was a fool I wasted them <laughs> but there's a little known fact with um with anyone that knows me within Auroch I mean um Ghostbusters is my my jam and I think if there was ever an opportunity uh, well not an opportunity but ever ever the, the the correct time to try out the Ghostbusters RPG, which there is one of. And um, I was listening, uh, one of my favorite Ghostbusters podcasts is The Crossrip. And uh, they did that. They did it live on the podcast. They just did this thing, like a little mini series of about five or six episodes where I just followed this thing. And it was amazing. It was it was so, so cool because you just, just as a, as a passenger to it, just listening and watching these guys build these characters, do the thing, roll the dice, they, they're faced with a scenario, and then that's all placed within a universe that I'm I'm familiar with. 
and it was really really exciting just to kind of listen to it in fact my my wife would 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 come into the kitchen when i was like listening to it and she's like what are you listening to so why it's, it's a ghostbusters rpg podcast and she was like cool and and we just kind of walk out <laughs> i was having a great time i was like this is amazing like this is so so cool because it's familiar and i loved it and that's just my you know the one thing i can kind of connect to but the fact that it is so so broad so big and that's there's so many different genres and subgenres and different topics and worlds and universes it's just oh it, it blows my mind it, it honestly does it's amazing yeah I think that's the really easy entry point for anyone who's thinking about getting into tabletop RPGs and RPGs in general is there are so many that reflect other media out there that you're already familiar with, that you already love, like yourself with Ghostbusters. Lucy talks about the Avatar uh, Legends role-playing game, which I have played and is very, very good. I really enjoy it. There's a Lord of the Rings role-playing game. So if you love Lord of the Rings, jump on into that, become a hobbit, see how it goes. Uh, there start off with something you're already familiar with because then that's a load of law that you don't need to worry about learning you can just concern yourself with the rules and get creative with the character yeah and it's almost like a reward isn't it it's like if you've if you've spent so much time reading uh novelizations and watching the movies and listening to stuff like you're kind of rewarding yourself for this huge archive of of knowledge that you've built up over quite likely years you know and then you're putting that to use playing it in a game format with other people that are very much the same maybe more experienced maybe less you know it's I, I can just imagine that kind of that bubble that you enter calling it imaginative is kind of an understatement because it's like you rely on that to to further build this world so I don't know I'm rambling because it's exciting and I don't know any, enough about it but it was really really great just to listen to you to Peter to Lucy and to, of course, Thomas talking about this kind of stuff. So oh, thank you for listening, Matt. It was lovely to have you in. Um, thanks to the audience at home. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there, but catch you all on the flippy flip. In the fast paced realm of the games industry, the best way to keep up to date with everything happening at Oroch Digital is to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, using the handle at Oroch Digital. And we're on LinkedIn too as auroc-digital-limited. We also encourage you to sign up to our mailing list to receive regular newsletters that go into more detail about our projects and to join our community Discord, who are the first to hear our updates. You can subscribe to the mailing list and join the Discord on our website, orocdigital.com. And whilst you're on the website, be sure to check out our recruitment page under orocdigital.com forward slash jobs where we post all employment opportunities. Links to all these socials and more are in the episode description. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one.